This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Wednesdays we don't have so much time, so I just want to jump right into the Word tonight. God laid a word on my heart that I want to share with you. I've uh, shared along these lines before, um, but I just feel it's what God's uh, telling us tonight. So, the title is this. The struggle is real, but it's not greater than Jesus. The struggle is real, but it's not greater than Jesus. Now, you know, that's that's a phrase that we hear all the time uh, in our modern world. In fact, it's probably, uh, you know, a trending hashtag or something on the Internet. And sometimes people are just joking around with that. And then sometimes, you know, we're being serious and. And we're not making light of any situation or circumstance because I know the struggle is real and it can be real. But I am also fully aware that it's not greater than Jesus. I think you should say amen to that if you believe that. The struggle may be real and what we may be facing and going through may be a legitimate situation. David didn't say that Goliath was fake. He acknowledged he was real. But he did say, I'm going to kill you and cut your head off. And so we need to realize that uh, there may be things we face. There may be weapons formed against us. The struggle may be real, but there's no way that it's greater than Jesus. Because greater is he that's in me than he that is in this world. Do you know what I'm saying tonight? Amen. And so I want to encourage you, and we're going to look at some things tonight. But you better realize that no matter what comes against you, it's no match for Jesus. And sometimes people are talking about the struggle. They're talking about the problem. They're talking about the bad situation a whole lot more than they're talking about Jesus. You ever notice that? You know, you think like, man, they've got more faith in the mountain than they do in God. And that, again, this isn't a, you know, this isn't a, a, you know, put down anybody, but I'm trying to fire you up tonight and remind you and encourage you that Jesus is real. That your faith in God will work. You will reap in due season if you faint not. You've got to stick with it. And sometimes even Christians have to be reminded that, yes, Jesus is real and he's greater and he's bigger than anything that I face. And so maybe you've heard it said, but I'll say it again. Quit telling God how big your mountain is and start telling the mountain how big your God is. Amen. And so we're going to we're going to get into a few things here tonight, but I want you to pay attention. I want you to follow along because, listen, we've all faced some things. We've all had some things thrown against us, but no thing that's ever been formed against me has ever been able to prosper against the name of Jesus. That includes cancer. That includes depression. That includes financial struggles. That includes anything, anything that has ever came against me when I've used the name of Jesus and stuck with it. One every single time, every single battle, when I've done it God's way. That's what I'm talking about tonight, doing it God's way. Amen? And so let's pray, and then we're going to dig into this, and I believe that God's going to speak to you tonight.
Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, so much that we have your word. And, Lord, we have you. What else do we need? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I have all that I need right there. And so, Lord, I pray that as we study your word tonight, as we uh, listen to what you're saying, Lord, I pray that you will encourage us, you will challenge us, you will correct us if we need corrected. And, Lord, most of all, I just thank you that you're going to get glory tonight, and we're going to leave here better than when we came in. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, can somebody say amen? Amen. All right. So follow along. Number one, God is bigger than the struggle. I know, but I got a big one. Okay, well, God's bigger. (laughs) Yeah, but you don't know what I... But God is bigger. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 40. Thank you, Katie Brady. Anyone else excited for the Word of God tonight? There we go. Isaiah chapter 40. Hey, we've got air conditioning now, so there is just no no need for you to fall asleep in church. We will wake your behind up. Isaiah chapter 40. Amen. And we're going to look at a few things here, but you need to realize, and, and, and I am fully convinced that most people, they could agree with, yeah, God's big, God's great, but undeniably, you you do not know how big God is. Let's just be honest. I don't, I don't fully comprehend it, and there's no way that you can fully fathom how big God actually is. It, it is mind-blowing. It is beyond anything that the human mind can comprehend. And Isaiah pointed out something right here that is just very fascinating to me because it gives us at least a little bit of a glimpse into the, uh, the size of God. And so Isaiah 40 verse 12 it says, "Who else has held the oceans in his hand? Who has measured off the heavens with his fingers? Who else knows the weight of the earth or has weighed the mountains and hills on a scale? None of us have. You you can't You can't hold the oceans in your hand. You can't measure off the heavens with your fingers. You don't, you don't, I don't even know how much I weigh. I don't want to know. But listen, I let alone knowing how much the earth weighs or how much the mountains weigh. Listen to this. Verse 13. Who is able to advise the spirit of the Lord? Who knows enough to give him advice or teach him? I certainly don't. I don't know. I, I mean, if you if you have the audacity to say, God, I've got a piece of advice for you. Just hear me out on this. Then I don't, man, get away from me. I don't want to be around you. You have got some bigger issues than what we can solve around here. Listen, you don't know enough to give God advice. Verse 14, has the Lord ever needed anyone's advice? No. Does he need instruction about what is good? Of course not. Did someone teach him what is right or show him the path of justice? No, for all the nations of the world are but a drop in the bucket. They are nothing more than dust on the scales. He picks up the whole earth as if it were a grain of sand. Now, I take the Bible literally. I, you know, I, I guess there's maybe some people that don't. But I take the Bible literally. And it tells us right here that just the hand of God is so big that he can hold all the waters of the oceans in the palm of one hand. Think about that. Even, I mean, I can't even hold, you know, a, a, a whole bottle of water in the palm of my hand. But God Almighty, his hand is so big, all the waters of the oceans can fit in the palm of one hand. Think about that. The deepest part of the 
Ocean is in the Pacific Ocean. The Mariana Trench is 30,070 feet deep, I believe. Well, I wrote it down, so I better just check my... Yeah, 36,070 feet. That can fit in the palm of one hand. 36,000 feet deep in the palm of a hand. Can you imagine? Just, I mean, I'm just trying to get you to realize that your God is big. Can you imagine if somebody came in here and, and they went to shake your hand and, and, and just their fingers were like three feet long? You'd be like, that is a big hand. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's a big hand. But God's fingers stretch from here to New York City. God's hand is so big. And, and, and he can pick up the entire earth. As if it were just a little grain of sand. Just imagine you picking up one tiny grain of sand. That's what it's like for God to just pick up the entire earth just like that. He is huge. He is big. Yeah, but I got big problems. Well, you got a big God too. What about that? You need to recognize and you need to realize and you need to get the revelation because you probably don't have it yet that God is bigger than anything you can even comprehend with the human mind. And so I notice a lot of times we tend to magnify the problems in our life. And have you noticed that the more you talk about something, the bigger it seems to become in your life and the more of a reality it seems to come, it it seems to become in your life. And sometimes we can turn just a tiny little problem. You start talking about it. You start telling everybody about it. And after a while, you've completely exaggerated a situation and, and, and you've made something bigger than it is. As the saying goes, you've made a mountain out of a molehill again. We're not downplaying your problems and your struggles. We're not saying they're insignificant. But what I am saying is you need to know that compared to God, they are small. Compared to God, do you think God's intimidated and he's, he, he's made, he survived all these millions of years. He's made it through every big bad thing that's come. And you think you're going to present your problem to him and he's going to be like, oh, wow, whoa, whoa. Whoa, okay, you know, I've seen some big things, but I've never seen as big a problem as this person in Barstow, California has got. I've seen some whoppers, but this one's beyond me. You know, I mean, yes, I can pick up the earth as if it were a grain of sand. Yes, I can hold all the waters of the earth and pop my hand. But that is a big one right there. There's no way I can handle that. No, your situation cannot intimidate God. Your situation cannot overcome the power and the goodness of God. And you're sitting there like, yeah, I know all that. If you knew it, you'd be rejoicing, even in the midst of the struggle. If you knew it, you would start talking about how big God is all the time instead of talking about how big the struggle is all the time. If you're familiar with the story of Joshua, excuse me, Moses sending out the 12 spies in Numbers chapter 13, you know, it's a classic textbook example of this. He sends out 12 spies to spy out Canaan, the promised land. And, of course, 10 guys come back, and they're like, oh, man, it is beautiful. It's everything that God said it was. There's fruit. There's fields. There's a great water supply. There's houses. I mean, this is set up beautifully. And then the two other guys, Joshua and Caleb, come back, and they're like, yep, it is It is perfect. It's everything we've dreamed of. But then what happens, the story takes a twisted turn because 10 out of the 12 guys say it's beautiful, but we'll never get it. We'll never have that. No. I mean, it's awesome, but you know what? It's never going to actually happen for us. 
and the two other guys say, it is going to happen for us. Now, what is that? They all looked at the exact same situation, right? Joshua and Caleb didn't look at a different side of, you know, the west side of Canaan, and, and the other ten guys looked at the east end and like, well, the east end's pretty nice, but the west end, it's going to take a little bit of work. No, they all looked at the exact same thing, yet they came away with two totally different outlooks. And I've seen that again and again and again in my life, where two people can be presented with the exact same set of circumstances and have two totally different outlooks on it. But they both face the same giant, and this guy's like, oh, man, you know what, forget it. I don't even know why I try anymore, man. I don't even know why I even try. And the other guy's like, oh, man, another giant. When I take this thing down, I'm going to have the biggest testimony that Barstow has ever seen. Because someone of faith, they don't see a giant problem. They see a giant possibility. They see a giant opportunity to prove yet again that God is good, that God is big, and that God's word works. It's all in your outlook. And do you realize that God is bigger than the struggle that you face? And so one incredible thing about this story, you can just write it down, Numbers chapter 13. And I've kind of I pointed this out before, but it's, it's incredible that these ten guys, they spread a lie and a rumor, and they were so successful with it that even now people still retell the same lie and fabricated story 4,000 years later. They said right there in Numbers chapter 13, I think it's verse 23 if I'm right, but you can look me up a later. They said, hey, all the people in the land that we went and saw were giants. Everybody there's a giant. We don't stand a chance. We were grasshoppers in our own sight, and we were grasshoppers in their sight. And the lie that they told was, everybody there's a giant. The whole land is filled. That's a lie. There were some giants there, but not everybody in Canaan was a giant. And even today you'll hear people say, yeah, man, the land, everybody there was giants, and those guys were just scared. That's a lie. There were some giants, no doubt about it, but not every citizen of Canaan and Jericho was a giant. And what happened? They magnified the problem so big that they made it worse than what it actually was, and that's what people do even today. No doubt, you may have a problem on your hands, but you better watch it because you're going to blow that thing up and make it a whole lot bigger than what you want. There's power in your words quit watering the bad situation with your words of doubt and unbelief and start fighting it with the word of god and so these 10 guys are like oh man everybody there's a giant every last person uh we're never gonna and and they start crying and joshua and caleb were like man would you guys shut up this is the most pure this is the most perfect thing that we could possibly ever have handed to us why? I mean, God hands them, up. all they've got to do is go in there and drive the Canaanites out. There's already fields set up. There's already a water system set up. There's already crops planted. There's already houses built. All they've got to do is go in and kick these evil idol worshipers out and take over the land. And so sometimes God will hand you a gift, and you're like, that ain't no gift, man. That's going to take some work. I don't want to do that. I thought it was just going to get handed to me. Listen. Your promised land, there's always going to be giants to fight, but when you fight that giant, brother, it is a sweet victory when you win and you take over your 
promised land. Yeah, but the struggle's real. <laughs> Listen, it's not greater than Jesus. Can I get an amen tonight? It's not greater than Jesus. And even if you are facing a giant, do me a favor and just look at his hands. He may have big hands, but can he fit all the waters of the oceans in the palm of those hands? Then he's not bigger than Jesus. Amen? He's not bigger than Jesus. No matter what it is you face, it's not bigger than Jesus. And so what are we talking about? How Jesus is greater than what we face. And so number two, check this out. Number two, God provides a way out of the struggle. So, yeah, I mean, there's always a way out. Well, I, yeah, well, I don't know about that. Well, there is, or else the Bible's a lie, and it's not a lie, because it tells us right here that there's always a way out. First Corinthians 10.13, flip there with me. First Corinthians 10.13. Who's glad they came to church tonight? Amen. Amen. I'm glad I came. It's a lot cooler here than my house is. You know what I mean? Hey, that swamp cooler, that humidity hit today. I was like, hey, I'm going to church. Yeah. I used to have to go to Walmart when the humidity hit. I don't anymore. I come to church. Yeah. It pierces through that junk, man. That's awesome. Love it. First Corinthians ten thirteen. And so check this out. It tells us this. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. Yeah, but nobody knows what I'm going through. Nobody's ever been through it. Well, according to Scripture, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. That's good news. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Now, the King James says that there is a way of escape. I love this verse because that Greek word there for temptations is a word called pyrosmos. And that word means troubles and, and, and trials and, and difficulties. And so literally what the Bible is telling us right here is the temptations, the troubles, the struggles, the trials, the difficulties you face. Number one, they're no different than from what everyone else experiences. Again, that's not making light of your situation, but we've got to tell you the truth tonight. The Bible says that the things that we face are no different from what others experience, and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation, the trouble, the struggle, the trial to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted and troubled, he will show you the way out so you can endure. Who thinks that's really good news tonight? That's really good news. God always makes a way through the situation. There is no situation, according to Scripture, that can come against me that God does not already have a way out for me. There's there's no situation that can come that God didn't already plan ahead and knows the path to victory if I'll do it his way. Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun. And I'm like, well, you know, I can think of a lot of new things that have occurred over the last, you know, couple millenniums. But the truth is this, is that it's the same devil that's been doing the same stupid stuff, trying to split up homes. He may have new technology to do it with now. Been trying to bring sickness and disease on God's people. Been trying to bring poverty on God's people. The same stuff he's always done. But thank God, Jesus is doing the same thing he's always done. Hebrews 13.8 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus hasn't changed, so I'm in really good shape right now. 
no matter what comes against me. Now, if Jesus has to change, then I mean, I don't know what I'm going to do because that means that something's really wrong. But Jesus is never going to have to change because he's perfect and perfection does not need to change. What could you change it to that would make it better? <laughs> I mean, what, what can you change? Perfect? How can you improve upon Jesus? It can't be done. And so he always makes a way through. But I've noticed that sometimes we overlook the way of escape because it's not what we envisioned. Sometimes we overlook our answer to prayer because it doesn't come the way that we envisioned it. And I hear people complaining like, man, I, I don't know. I prayed and God's like, I don't know if God heard me. And I'm sitting there like. Dude, I can I can point out five ways right now that God answered your prayer and you were, you know, you didn't even notice a single one of them because you had it in your mind that God had to do it a certain way. Well, what if God hap- just so happens, I'm not, you know, no offense, but what if God actually knows more than you know? I know, hey, you know, please don't cancel me, right? But I'm just saying, listen, what if perchance and I know you're really smart and everything, but what if perchance that God actually knows more than you, and and you had your answer to prayer envisioned a certain way, and, you know, some knight in shining armor was going to come riding in, ladies, and deliver it on a silver platter, and God had a different way. What if? And then you're like, well, I don't, God doesn't answer my prayers. And he sent a bunch of different ways to answer it, and you just overlooked every single one, because his ways are higher than your ways, and his thoughts are higher than your thoughts, and you elevated your own thoughts and your own thing to God's level, and now you're in a mess. Something to think about. You know, I'm going to retell a story that probably a lot of you have heard, but I heard this story about this guy down in the south, and they had a big, uh, a big storm warning coming, and they were like, everybody evacuate, get out. Uh, this is, you know, this is going to be a bad one. Everybody needs to get out. And he's like, I ain't going nowhere, man. I'm going to trust God to save me and rescue me. I'm not going anywhere. And so the storm hits, and next thing you know, he's, he's, the, the, the waters have risen, and he's on his porch, and his neighbors come by with a canoe. Get in. It's getting bad. Get in. We're going to get you out of here. Just hop on in. We're out of here. And he's like, no, 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 no. No, I ain't falling for that. God's going to save me. I'm not falling for that. <laughs> Go ahead. You have little faith. They're like, okay, fine. Suit your... So they go. Next thing you know, the, the waters rise again, and now he's on the roof of the lower level of his house. And so the police come by in a rescue boat, a motorboat, and they're like, get in. We're here to rescue you. Oh, no, 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 no. I am trust God's going to rescue me. I don't care. Go. You leave it. All right, fine. Suit yourself. Then the waters keep rising. He's on the roof of his house. And then the rescue team comes, the Coast Guard, in a helicopter. They lower a ladder down, and they say, come on, climb up. We're here to rescue you. I ain't falling for that. God's going to rescue me. Next thing you know, he drowns, and he dies. And he gets up to heaven, and he's like, God, what in the world? I was trusting you to rescue me. Why didn't you rescue me? What happened? You said you answered prayer. You didn't answer my prayer. And he's like, uh, hello, I sent your neighbors. I sent a warning on the news channel. I sent the police. I sent a helicopter. I answered your prayers four different times, and you overlooked every single one. Now, sometimes we're looking at it, and we're like, hey, you need to realize that God is probably sending answers to your prayers every single day, and you're sitting there overlooking every single one because it may not be the way that you envisioned it. And sometimes we overlook the supernatural hand of God because we're looking for the big, you know, 
uh, I don't want to use the word magical, but you're looking for the big miraculous, the big woo. And God's doing little things all the time. Maybe you needed a thousand dollars by next week, and you thought that some rich guy was just going to come in and and and. But no, God's offering you a little. Hey, they're offering a little overtime at work this week. Hey, my neighbor said that he, you know, he's looking for somebody to clean the gutters, and and maybe God shows offers five different ways for you to get the answer to that prayer. But oh no, I'm not doing that, man. That's stupid. God's going to send me the money. But what if God is sending you? ways and and opportunities and answering your prayer in so many ways but it's just not yes i just z snapped and i hope the internet caught that listen to me i hope they saw that because i was real you z snap god and you're like hey no no i ain't falling for that no i'm looking i need miraculous and god is doing the supernatural but you're so caught up looking for the whatever that you overlook it don't be like that listen God is bigger than the struggle, and God always provides a way out of the struggle. Don't overlook what God is doing in your life. Amen? And so let's look at uh, number three here. Number three, God's grace is enough to get past the struggle. And so, number one, God is bigger than the struggle. Number two, God always provides a way of escape past the struggle. And number three, God's grace is enough to get past the struggle. Now, I realize that when you're in the heat of the battle, you don't want someone to tell you, hey, God's grace is enough. You may not want to hear that, but honestly, that's the truth. God's grace is sufficient. His grace is enough. And we have to learn to rely on on that grace and i know you may be thinking you know i I wanted a a, a deeper i wanted a bigger answer than that hey that's what i got sometimes people come to me for advice and counsel and all that and i I had someone just a month ago you know hey change my life man (laughs) give me what you got (laughs) listen all that i've got for anybody is the bible if you don't come to me looking for some miraculous dr phil advice because i don't have it man I the only thing I know in this world is the Bible and it, and I tell Katie and people think I'm you know I see these some pastors that I look up to and and they you know before they got into ministry they were an NFL player or they were a, a construction builder and a, a contractor or, or they were a banker and, and they they've all got these miraculous skills and I'm looking at my life I'm like I this is literally the only thing that I can do in this world I can fry chicken pretty good really but I can fry chicken and uh and make real cheese but i've got no fallback plan the only thing that i can do in this world is read the bible and tell people but i've got no other discernible job skills whatsoever but what i can promise you is this if you come to me for help i will give you the word of god and if you'll listen to it it'll rock your socks man and it'll change your life if you'll listen to it but I don't have no counsel and no advice and no psychology. I mean, I had to take psychology classes in college. I still don't know why, but I had to take them. And listen, it comes back to this. I know the Bible, and I know the Word of God, and it's all I need. His grace is enough. Jesus is enough. And if we'll do things his way, I will make it through 100% of the time. Can I get an amen? Amen. So 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Can we flip there? 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Hope you're still having a, a good time tonight, Second Corinthians chapter 12. And so the Apostle Paul shares some deep stuff for us here. Second Corinthians chapter 12. 
And so my goal tonight, man, is to encourage you. I want you to realize that if you're going through something, hey, we get it. We, we've all gone through something. We've all uh, faced some battles, but Jesus is the answer. Second Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to look here at, at verse 9. And so there's a whole great story here, but we're just going to read this one verse. So the Lord speaking to Paul, it says, each time he said, that's the Lord speaking, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So Paul says, now I'm actually glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. Now, what is grace? Well, that's a mighty deep topic that we couldn't even begin to scratch the surface of in a 10-minute segment. But the most basic definition of grace would be this, undeserved favor or help. Undeserved favor or help. And so God speaks to Paul, and Paul's like, man, God, I need out of that. i got a thorn in my flesh. Do something about this. And God says, hey, hold on. My grace is all that you need. Yeah, well, well, yeah, but your grace and this and that. And, and, and God's like, you don't need to add to grace. You don't need to. No, my grace is all you need. In fact, my power actually works best when you're at your weakest. In your weakness, my power works best. And I've seen that. Sometimes, you know, people are like, well, as long as they're doing the fight and the battle in their own hands and their own understanding, they're relying on themselves. They're not relying on God. And sometimes, hey, I'm not saying it was God's original plan, but there have been times when God waited for me to quit kicking and screaming and trying to fix it all myself. Like, are you tired yet? Okay, now let's do it my way. Now, I believe God's original plan is for me to just listen right off the bat and do it God's way the first time around, and I have to get myself in a mess. But sometimes, it's like a parent. You know, you sit there watching your kid. Okay, when you're, when you're done throwing a fit and making a fool out of yourself, I'll help you. And I believe that sometimes God's saying that to us. When you're, when you're done embarrassing yourself and looking crazy in front of everybody, then I'll help you. You know, get, get your wiggles out, get your energy out, and then I'll give you a hand. Because my strength works best in your weakness. And we need to realize that his grace is enough when we quit relying on our own strength and admit that we can't do it on our own then god's grace and strength kicks into action and that is all you need you know, I, I need that but i also need this no you don't shut up you need the grace of god and i'm not being mean but quit adding to the bible he says my grace is all you need in this situation The struggle is real, but it's not greater than God's grace. It's not greater than God's power. It's not greater than God's word. It's not greater than the name of Jesus. Your situation is not greater than the blood of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, behold, who takes away the sins of the world. If he can take away the sins of the whole world, he can take away your sins. If he can lay the stripes and the wounds on his back to heal all of humanity, he can heal you. And I believe in the healing power of God. You're too late to tell me that Jesus doesn't heal. You're too late. Jesus is a healer, not just of cancer and, and diseases, but he can heal you emotionally. He can heal you mentally if you need that. Jesus can heal everything. 
And so we may face some big things, but I'm telling you, his grace is what you need. And his grace is enough to get past the struggle, but sometimes we have got to come to this place where we're fully relying on God. I was thinking about this the other day. I was watching a documentary on Amazon the other night. I know, deep. And so it was like, uh, you know, it was uh, uh, America, the Story of Us by Ken Burns. And, and I was watching this thing about the Revolutionary War. And out of all the battles and wars that we've been in, you know, you know, I got soldiers and army guys. You probably know more than me, but at least from my study of American history, which I love, that's a very impressive victory to me. Uh, in fact, we traced it back. My sixth great-grandpa, a man named Eliezer Hathaway, fought in the revolution. And, and look at this. You've got the biggest, strongest army in the world, the British military. And they're like, hey, you know what? It's time to pay the piper. You guys and, – and, and they, they came in, and they were going to absolutely annihilate us. And we were such nothingness that we didn't even have an army. We didn't even have an actual army. And so this is, and, 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 I, and as, I'm, as I'm watching this and studying this and remembering what I've studied, it's super impressive how America beat the British off, and we've kept them away for a couple hundred years, right? You know, people are like, did you see the royal wedding? Man, I quit caring about royal weddings in 1776, right? I don't care what's going on. Maybe I'm being mean on the Internet. But what I'm saying is this, USA, baby. And, and, and what's going on is these guys, the, the battle... And the war that they won is extremely impressive when you understand how outnumbered and overpowered that they were. You've got the best military in the world against a bunch of guys that, hey, I found a stick out in the woods. I could hit someone with this. Hey, gather some rocks over there. I mean, they had nothing. And I think about it like, what if we gathered, you know, hey, let's form our own, you know, football team from guys here in the church, and we'll go take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They just won the Super Bowl, and, and, but we're going to take them down. That's about what this was like. But what I'm getting at is this. Even though they were getting it handed to them for a while, they come to this place where General George Washington the only thing he's got left is prayer. And I, I think I got this picture up there. This is a famous picture. It's General Washington at Valley Forge. Man, they spend this winter out there, and guys are dying off from disease, from hypothermia. I mean, it's just they're freezing. They run out of food and everything. And, 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 and so they capture this moment. Obviously, this is a painting, but it's a famous moment in history where General Washington has nowhere to turn but to God Almighty and say, God, we need your grace, or this whole thing's over. This whole thing will never come to be. And I've been in some rough spots, but I think of that right there, man, where I've got nothing else. I have to rely on the grace of God. I am in over my head. I'm surrounded. This is bigger than what I have. But the grace of God is greater. And so they rise out of this moment at, at Valley Forge. They make it through the winter, and long story short, they rally, and they win. And we have America in 2021 because of, honestly, good fighting, but prayer and a belief in God Almighty. That's a big deal. And so in your life, I'm telling you right now, just like Paul was told by God Almighty, listen, my grace is all you need. But God, I also want my grace is all you need. But I don't know about that. Then read my word, my word, my grace, my name. This is all that 
you need. And so what am I talking about tonight? I'm bringing it in for this, that I get it. There's people facing stuff. The struggle may be real. The problems may be big. But as a Christian, watch yourself that you don't start magnifying the problems and beginning to think that they're bigger than God because they're not bigger than God. God is greater than the struggle. God is bigger than the struggle. And God's not afraid of the struggle. And he will bring you through every single time if you'll do things his way. We have to remember that. And, you know, it's like, well, hey, we're, we're Christians. We're in a church. But I've realized that sometimes with Christians, we really lose sight of the fundamentals. And it's that way with so many different areas in life. But sometimes, even as Christians, well, I've been in church for 50 years. That's good. But do you remember that God's grace is sufficient? Do you remember that God is greater? Do you remember that God's hand can hold all the waters of the earth in the palm of his hand? Do you remember how big and how good God is? And so, as we, as we close out tonight, that's, that's what I, I need you to get. I need you to remember that no matter what it is, that's been coming against you, no matter what weapon has been formed, no matter what enemy has come against you, you need to start focusing and magnifying and relying on Jesus, on his word, on his grace, on his name. And as a Christian, this is your weapon. You have got to use it. Uh, there should never be a point in time when someone comes like, man, I've got this going on and that going on and, and, and this. And, and, and I'm going to ask you, what scripture are you standing on? What scripture are you standing on for that? Well, well uh, you know, I, I like all of them. <laughs> that's, a, that's a golden answer. Okay, well, out of since you've memorized the whole Bible, just name me at least one verse. You know, that's not being mean or sarcastic, but that's getting real. That's, that's a wake-up call. If you're facing a battle and you can't name one scripture that you're standing on, you're not, it's going to take more than that. If you've got a full-time devil coming against you, it's going to take more than your part-time shallow faith. It's going to take a full-time relying and trusting in the name of Jesus and in the word of God. Amen. And so I'm, I'm encouraging you tonight that, yeah, there may be a struggle, but it's not greater than Jesus. He's bigger, he's greater, and he will make a way out. Can we get an amen tonight? Amen. All right, let's stand up together. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.